wanted to talk with you about the gospel, um, and in particular, the last verse of the reading. What is impossible with man is possible with God. And in order to do that, I want to draw a contrast. So you have this rich young ruler. Uh, occasionally you get people who are like, well, we don't actually know if he was a rich young ruler because he's in different gospels. If you read the gospel, the, the three gospel accounts of this, it's all the same. It's the same guy. He's a rich young ruler, comes to Jesus. Mark's, in Mark's gospel, he's, he comes and he falls, he runs up to Jesus and he falls down at his feet and, he, and, and, and says, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? Mark, Matthew and, and Luke are a little, they, they don't have quite the same action details that, 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 that Mark does, but... Um, but he, he comes and he approaches Jesus and asks him, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? And then Jesus fires back with what seems like maybe a, a slightly pedantic response. You know, Why do you call me good? There's only one good. There's only one who is good. That's God. But it's actually the key, I think, to the whole thing here. Because, well, we know, we've just heard the, the whole story, we know what Jesus is about to ask of him. You know? uh, so he, he, he says, uh, you know, <clears throat> you know the commandments. And then he, he, he lists basically all the commandments, uh, of all of the Ten Commandments that have to do with human relationships. You know? And don't, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And, and the young man says, I've kept all these from my youth. And again, we could, we could get all cynical and stuff and say, well, sure, I'm, I'm not sure that he actually kept all of them perfectly, all from his youth. But I, I think and when we do that, we're kind of reading back into, uh, into the, the text something that wasn't a, a kind of a sensibility that wasn't actually there yet. It's because as we've internalized the teachings of Jesus, where, you, where he, he takes the law and he, he brings it to the next level. So, uh, and uh, then we, we realize, since re understanding and receiving the teachings of Jesus, that we can't actually keep the law perfectly. But in there, there, the sensibility of the time was that, no, you can. You can keep the law pretty well. You know, they weren't, weren't necessarily thinking about all, all the times and I dishonored my mom and dad because I, I thought nasty thoughts or, or I, I, I didn't, you know, quite keep this uh, do not keep an adultery thing because I looked at somebody lustfully. No, no, they're just thinking in basic, simple terms. And he had, in fact, kept more or less all of these commandments from his youth. It even says in, in one of the Gospels, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. This was a good person. He loved this young man. And so, because he loves him, he tells him what he needs to know. You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have. Distribute it to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. And immediately the young man is totally distressed, sorrowful. His face falls. He's rich. He has lots and lots of money. 
And here, Jesus is asking him to take all of that money and give it away to the poor, probably many of whom are the undeserving poor, if you can make that qualification. <laughs> uh, um, that's usually how the rich people see the poor. Uh, uh, and, and, and then come and follow this, young, this man, Jesus. Why would he do that? And he goes away, sorrowful. And Jesus, of course, looking after him, says, uh, um, how hard it is for the rich, for those who have wealth, to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And, of course, the disciples, again, we have to kind of think in, in terms of the ancient understanding. Uh, you know, that's like, what? If that's the case, who can be saved? Because again, if you if you think of think about this in sort of Jewish Old Testament term, terms, it's the it's the people who have riches who have been blessed by God. So if those people can't even be saved, who can be saved? And so Jesus reassures them: you know, what's impossible with men is possible with God. And then here's the contrast I want to draw. Uh, I, I shouldn't say I want to draw. It's, it's right there in the text. Um, Peter says to him, see, we've left everything and followed you. And Jesus says to him again, he's, he's reassuring them. Assuredly, I say to you, there's no one who's left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. So here's the contrast. The rich young ruler wasn't able to do what Jesus asked him to do. The disciples had already done it. Where's the difference? How is it that the disciples were able to do it and the rich young ruler wasn't? How is it that this was possible in God's dispensation? And I would suggest that the key, as I said, said was at right at the beginning. The disciples may not have quite understood at this point that Jesus was God. But there was something about this man and his teachings, something about who he was, what he said. He spoke like nobody else had ever spoken. He spoke with authority that they had just done it. And they recognized something in him. And what they recognized in him was, in fact, his divinity. They recognized that he was good, that he was God incarnate. And so they, as had become his disciples, they'd left everything to follow him. Jesus then goes on in two of the three versions of this story, uh, to take them aside and tell them how he's going to be crucified. And I kind of love, love uh, uh, Luke's um, 
rendering of the disciples' response at this point. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. They just totally, totally didn't get it. So say it three times in three different ways. They totally didn't get that, that this. Why is he telling us about dying? So they, they didn't totally understand. But they knew enough of the goodness of Jesus. They knew enough of the godness of Jesus that they were able to leave everything and follow him. And that really is the one point that I want to make that seems to me to be implicit here in the gospel. If we are going to do great things, the great things that God has prepared for us to do, there's really just one thing that we have to get into our heads. Jesus is God. If we get that into our heads, then everything that he asks of us, then everything that he asks us to do, we have to do it. Because he's the creator of the universe. There can be no question of, well, you know, uh, my, my riches will, uh, they're, they're my security blanket. I, I can't, can't give, give them up. Or there can be no question of basically any of the hard things that he calls us to do of us, of us not doing them. No, I don't really feel like loving my enemy. He's a jerk. Doesn't matter. Jesus told you, told every single one of us, love your enemies. I, I don't really feel like loving. This person is not loving me back. Doesn't matter. Jesus said, love. Not only your enemies, love everyone. This is the way we have to live. And how does this become possible? Because these things are just like, they're not possible for us to do. We don't work like this. You know, I scratch my back, you scratch your, wait, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that's kind of how the world works. But we're in the world, but we're not of it. If we have truly become followers of Jesus, then there is nothing that we can hold on to over and above him. Nothing that can be more important than his words, his teachings, than following him. And all those things which seem completely impossible that Jesus calls us to do suddenly somehow become possible. Because the bottom line has changed. It's not about survival. It's not even about whether we get to thrive. 
it's about doing what our Creator made us to do. Being the person that our Creator made us to be. And He made us to love. Wholeheartedly. Unconditionally. Unstintingly. Loving, loving even our enemies. Giving, not expecting anything in return. Not putting any hope in anything that seems to be something that gives us security. Just love. I mean, there's lots more to his teaching, of course. We have to do all of it. But that really sums it up. Just love. And if we do this, then we're doing the impossible. Not by our own strength, but by our acknowledgement that Jesus is God, that we simply have to follow him because that's what we were made to do. That's what gives our lives meaning. That's what will ultimately save us and the whole world. To the glory of God the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen.